0: Canuck Central in the Kintex Studio. It's Dan Richo, Satyar Shah. Hour number two is here. If you missed the first hour of the show, we discussed the different avenues the Canucks have to open up some cap space. Also, Irfan Gaffar joined us, and yet another discussion of which way the tide is turning on who the Canucks may move this offseason. Is it Besser or is it Garland? You can check that out on the podcast with your favorite podcatcher. Subscribe and leave a review. Now we did get some clarity on one Canucks player this weekend sat and that is Vitaly Kravtsov who is uh, going to play in the KHL next year signed a uh, contract in the K Canucks can still qualify him to keep his rights with the NHL but uh, he is not going to play for the Vancouver Canucks Next year.
1: Yeah, and not surprised. I mean, my biggest question when I watched them was you see some talent, but you got to scratch really hard to see it. Yes. Because he's big, he's got a good shot, he's got a decent hockey sense, but he's so meek. You mm-hmm. could tell that he, you know, he wasn't in great condition. He wasn't going into the boards, like sometimes willingly, but you know, he, hadn't, he didn't have good technique. Like he looked like a guy, Dan, that was like the epitome of two years away. Yes, And I wondered, like, is he going to be willing to put in the work and grind and, and not play a lot for a couple years to become a player? So I, I was skeptical based on what we saw and what Taka was demanding that he would be willing to come back and endure it.
0: And you watch these Stanley Cup playoffs and you see the way Kravtsov played, I don't see that type of player ever having success in the postseason. Mm-hmm. At least not the way that he's been playing so far through his NHL career. So uh, Vitaly Kravtsov out with the Vancouver Canucks. Uh, into the show is our regular contributor. He is Don Taylor, the legend himself. Donnie and Dolly, 10 to noon on Check TV, Monday through Friday. What's happening, Donnie?
2: Uh, well, just we got back to work today. We had a four-day weekend, which was a, a lot of fun. And uh, it was good, except it's hay fever season, allergy season, not good uh, for me. Other than that, just fine. Uh, here, here's with, with off. Mm-hmm. Here's, here's my I didn't even notice him I barely, barely noticed him I think he wore number 91 anyway um, I, I, the the player they gave up for him and nobody blinked that I you know was you know probably time to move on for Will Lockwood I, and they gave up a later round draft choice as well I noticed Lockwood when he played more than Kratsoff right I mean I, I just he, he, at least there was some energy there and I didn't notice you could see the talent with Kratsov but, but Will Lockwood was obviously I, he looked hungrier and Kravtsov, that's, that's not a good thing when you're, you're talking about a player who's drafted ninth overall.
0: We, we debated more about Nikolai Goldobin and how much more minutes he should be getting than we ever did about Vitaly Kravtsov. I think that says it, it all, doesn't it?
2: Yeah, there, there, there's a lot there. there, <laughs> there there's, there's, a, there's a lot there. I was behind the bench one game, right, right behind the bench. Because uh, as you know, I only do lower bowl uh or, or sweets which is a load of yeah. crap by the way but anyway and I my son and I witnessed Travis Green rip into Goldobin that was just epic the whole section <laughs> saw it too it was just uh, that's my takeaway from Goldobin's time and in in, in in Vancouver and I think it had something to do with if I had your talent I would be you know leading the NHL in scoring but in the words were a little bit different than that. Yeah, I mean, it,
1: it wouldn't surprise me. Right? I mean, we we bemoaned a lot of Russians who left this Canucks team, right? Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. you know, Nikita Trampkin still gets discussed. Yep. Goldobin still gets discussed. I mean, we'll see about Kraftsov, But can you think what other players or types of players got this much publicity? Like, do we have to go back to like Brandon Reed? Of of guys that were kind of like okay prospects or okay players that just got so much publicity and and talk, but really weren't all that special, to be honest.
2: Yeah, I um, mean, you know, J- Josh Holden might have yeah. been another guy uh, that uh, that that people may or may not remember. And, uh, Dan Woodley, going way back in yeah. the eighties, was a high draft pick uh, on the Portland Winterhawks and a lot was expected, and, and he had bad he had a bad hip, and I I don't think the research was was quite what it was um quite quite what it is now so that there was that i mean you could also go back when you talk of russian players god rest his soul but you know a lot was expected of vladimir krutov and you mm-hmm. saw you saw those uh flashes of brilliance there but he just wasn't in condition much like you were talking about uh with with Kratsov. not actually it was a lot worse with vladimir actually yeah. but uh so th- those are some players that come to mind
0: you know, uh, we we have talked a lot about the Canucks moving cap space in order to improve their team or opening cap space in order to improve their team this offseason. And a suggestion out of Chicago said uh, that uh, the Blackhawks might be willing to move up from their 19th pick to 11 with the Canucks and just take on a bad contract. Um, how would you feel about the Canucks moving down in the draft in order to move a Connor Garland or somebody that's uh, carrying a significant cap hit?
2: I would, I mean, we're talking eight, eight spots. Yeah. Um, So if my math is correct, it is. (laughs) Yeah. 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 North Burnaby. And um, (laughs) so, uh, uh, you know, I, my understanding of the draft is it's fairly deep and I don't know. And I heard you guys talking earlier, is there going to be a huge difference between 11 and 19? I, I just, I want to see something creative out of the Canucks. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I don't, I don't want to hear them complaining about cap space. I want to, see, and, and this, this isn't just this era. This goes back a couple eras as well, where they just do something, something different, something creative, Quit your whining and moaning and talking about a bold move and make one. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I would be okay with it. And I'm, I'm a draft pick guy. I hated the fact that they, they traded away a, a, a high draft pick for, for Philip Horonick. But, Maybe it's time to do something creative, to do finally do something about the cap space they keep whining about. I, there's a part of me, a big part of me, a larger part of me that would be that would be okay with that. I, I, it's time to get creative mm-hmm. when it comes to a bold move. I, I'd be okay with it. And Chicago would be a good candidate. You know, they're they're the kind of team right now where they would probably be okay with you know reaching the floor with a bad contract and having somebody contribute for a couple of years, even though they're overpaid. It would kind of make sense. I would be okay with it.
1: I mean, and part of it is a reality of, hey, there's only so much you can do. Now, they've all obviously added to their cap conundrum because they've added money to the books, which makes it more difficult to move some of this stuff out. They have been leveraged now across the league, so that's something they have to handle with. But I just I'd like to see a solution, Donnie, that does not involve messing with your draft capital. You know, that's just yeah. where I'm at. You yeah. know what I mean? Yo, like yo, we've, we, yeah, yeah. we've had so many yeah. moments where this team has just given away draft picks, whether it's for win now moves and stuff like that, or move a second for Dickinson. And you can justify a lot of it, right? I get it. You can justify some of these moves and everything. But, you know, you know how we're bemoaning the fact that the Canucks, you know, passed on uh, Matthew Kachuk at number five. I mean, I just get the feeling that if they move this 11th overall pick, they go to 19. Yeah, they move Garland. We'll be happy. We'll talk about all this cap space they have. Then two or three years down the road, we'll talk about, maybe if they held on to that 11th overall pick, you know, that, that, I'm just, I'm just tired of those discussions and maybe they're inevitable, yeah, but yeah. that's kind of where I'm at.
2: That, that That's fair. And I I guess, I guess what it is with me is like, and I, I'm, I'm with you. I don't like them trading away. This wouldn't be, you know, they'd be, they would still be getting a first round draft pick, but I'm maybe I'm more tired of them talking about clearing cap space and not making a bold move <laughs> yeah. to do it. So that's where I'd be. I'd be with that. Um, yeah. It would just, it would, you know, look, you look at what uh, Gunther's doing these days with, with Seattle and you still talk about, you know, Hey, that was supposed to be the Canucks guy. And so if, if number 11 for Chicago, if the 11th overall pick was a big deal for Chicago turned out to be a big deal. Yeah. That's something that would uh, be a, be a dark day, but I, I guess I just want to see them make some sort of bold move when it comes to that, that cap, because they sure are talking about it a lot.
0: Do you think we'll uh, we'll ever see the best of Brock Besser back in Vancouver?
2: Oh, guys, I, I don't know. I, I, you know, it's it's funny because he has these so so years, and yet he almost had, he came close to a career high in points last year. Yeah. And nobody thought that was possible until he actually looked at at, at the stats. And I worry about him more defensively than I do offensively. I think he's always going to put up points. I wish mm-hmm. he could get back to the shot. I mean, if you're a Canuck fan, you wish he could get back to that shot that he had his first a couple of years but just sometimes defensively he just seemed zone out no zoned out now maybe that's something that'll rectify itself given all the personal issues he's gone through i i, I just i just don't know he's got two years left and he can actually live with them uh unless you know chicago comes along and, and help helps them out but I, i'm you know when you're talking about somebody who's putting up 50 60 points regularly i think that's the ceiling that's that's the best we see out of Brock Besser, and that's too bad because a lot more was expected given his first year or two.
1: Um... I'm kind of having withdrawals here because we're talking about the Canucks moving money and and making trades, and we've yet to even mention JT Miller's name. And and I'm not trying to, you know, do the, hey, let's talk about JT Miller, yet I am doing let's talk about the JT Miller (laughs) stuff here. I mean, you guys had Elliot Friedman on the show today, and, you know, he mentioned how the Canucks are trying to clear cap space to make moves. And there are certain players that are very difficult to move, right? It's very clear. Garland, we talk about Besser, we talk about Myers and attaching uh, that stuff to them given what we heard at the deadline and given what we've seen with some teams being out of it, do we maybe see a team make Vancouver think about JT? Because the GM didn't close the door on that possibility, right? And I just wonder, like, I think that's a guy that can easily move and get value for him. And Uh would somebody make Vancouver think about this at the draft?
2: Well, you know, one team that I thought about, uh, and it was talked about after they were eliminated was Boston. It's just that I don't know what asset, because, you know, they've got players that are you know are going to move on, um, but you know what what do they have to offer? What do they have to offer for future capital? And again, you 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 get some value out of out of, of removing the cap space. But I, I just you know there's there's I just can't see it because I think that Francesco and Jim and Patrick are they, I think they really like the core. Um, they, they they just they they like that foundation. I think they like what's happening with the Florida Panthers. This is a team that it finished you know with fewer points than Calgary and is one win away from making it to the Stanley Cup. Compl- I think they, they look at that and they say we're, we're we're good. Why would we trade away JT Miller? Mm-hmm. Because if we get into the playoffs, anything can happen. I think you know given what's happened in these playoffs, I think they're back to that thinking. Um, you know yeah, obviously Pittsburgh might be a candidate, maybe Boston, but I just don't think it's going to happen with the way this owners this ownership group, this management group. Thanks.
0: Is, uh, are, are the Florida Panthers, um, a Canucks comparable in a way, Donnie? I mean, they're just, I, I, I get that they're doing some pretty uh, great things right now. You know, they've got Matthew Kachuk, they've got Sasha Barkov. They're playing really well, playing strong defensively, but that was a team that didn't play a lick of defense through the course of the year. And maybe it just seems like they're playing defense now because they're getting so many saves from Sergei Bobrovsky. They're, they're yeah. riding a hot goalie as much as anything
2: else. Yeah. And you could, you could see that. Uh, look, I like I've been around too long. It's not going to happen, but some people could see, you know, that happen with Thatcher. We saw it in the bubble, right? Yeah. I mean, you know, shorter period of time, but we saw what he did against Vegas in the bubble. Thatcher Demko getting hot at the right time of year. Quinn Hughes could be your Brandon Montour type on the ice all the time. Although, Mature is a little bigger, a little little thicker, if I'm not mistaken. And they're, you know, uh, up front, there's, there's definitely talent there. I, I just like, I think Florida just has a whole lot of grit. Mm-hmm. And I know that's old school thinking, and there's some people who don't have time for that, but I, I just think they're really resilient. They forecheck well. They get into the heads of everybody, uh, and that includes not just up front, but Radko Gudas in the back end. I think there's a lot of that going on with Florida, and I don't think Vancouver has that. But I do think they think they do. Yeah. So I, I just I, I can't see them moving away from the core. But there are, there are comparables there. And I'm sure, and it's not just the Canucks. I'm sure there are other teams that are thinking, hey, if Florida could do it, uh, so can we. But I just I really admire their tenaciousness and their grit and their ability to get under the skin of people. I think it's, it's, it's really an underrated, uh, not, not talked about enough aspect of their game.
1: Yeah, I'm, I'm there with you. And I think this organization would love to get tougher as well, like get players who are bigger and tougher. And I think if they could get a third line center that can do those things, they'd love to do it. And I think if they can add a defenseman that can do be like that as well. And we'll see if they're able to find that. Now, one thing we're seeing too, uh, especially when it comes to, you know, all these teams being out of the playoffs and a lot of this um, manager carousel kind of going on right now. And one thing that's become pretty evident, and we've talked about this previously as well, Donnie, but the Toronto Maple Leafs look pretty dysfunctional. If we're looking at the most dysfunctional uh, Canadian hockey organization right now. The Sens are on on the verge of being sold, so you can't really say they're dysfunctional. I mean, the Habs are in their rebuild. Um, Winnipeg, they're threatening to move the team again. Who knows what's going to happen with that roster. Um, The Calgary Flames made their change, but they have a bloated roster. they got to figure out what they're doing. The Leafs did their thing. We know what's going on in Vancouver. Vancouver, Has Vancouver relinquished uh, the crown as the most dysfunctional uh, Canadian organization? (laughs)
2: As you're going through the list, there, I'm thinking, hey, the Canucks look pretty good <laughs> right now. You know, yeah, yeah, they haven't made the playoffs in a gazillion years, but other than that, yeah. things are, <laughs> things things are just fine. I guess Edmonton would be, you know, arguably the most the most stable. But yeah, yeah like I, I don't know, like you know, Toronto situation, and you know, who, who who's going to take over there? Who wants to take over there? I mean, there will be the people the Ottawa, and the ownership, and then Winnipeg underachieving, and all these rumors and yeah maybe maybe the canucks are more stable than than we think Once once they get those new seats at rogers <laughs> arena then they could move to the top of the list no <laughs> I, i'm not talking about dysfunctional <laughs> list i'm talking yeah. about the positive list
0: the thing is here in canada there's too many armchair gms so every ownership group has their has their uh their their guy that's there who's trying to pull the strings himself you know
2: yeah <laughs> yeah yeah that's hey, that's life in canada and I know um, that the times that I've talked with Francesco uh, Aguilini, he says that, you know, it's the fans and the media and that, that pressure that keeps some players away. So I'm sure that doesn't, that doesn't help.
0: Uh, Donnie, we appreciate the time as always. Thanks for this today. Any Anytime, guys. Lots of fun. Uh, there is Don Taylor, the legend. Donnie and Dolly, 10 to noon, Check TV, and also joins us weekly here on Canuck Central.
1: It's just so funny how things can change so quickly. You know, and and, and not, I'm not trying to say here that Vancouver is in a in a, a in an enviable enviable position compared to where Toronto finds itself, mm-hmm. right? But all of a sudden, what's going on in Toronto? It's like Neilander a year from free agency. Matthews a year from free agency. the GM, two years away from free agency. Same the, with Tavares. The GM, they just let go. It was a pretty public situation. Shanahan flexes muscles, and it's like, okay, what's going on here now? The coach might be a dead man walking all of a sudden. Like, there's a lot, Like there's Right now, there's, un, there's instability yes. with the Toronto Maple Leafs. Their situation may stabilize and be fine, perhaps, with, with the moves they make. But all of a sudden, the most stable Canadian team for the past, what, seven, eight years mm-hmm. was the Leafs. And all of a sudden now, it's it's very unclear what their future looks like.
0: Well, any way you want to look at it, there was some level of a power struggle that yes. unfolded in the last week, right? So the particulars of it are almost of of no matter to me. But what we found out was... The Leafs basically put lipstick on a pig for a bunch of years, and yeah. were still the same dysfunctional organization that they were prior to Brendan Shanahan and Kyle Dubas <laughs> showing up nine years ago. Yeah, you know, it's it was comical what they were before things changed. Before Tim LeWiki went in there and sort of settled how things were going to be run with the yeah. different uh, you know branches of MLSE, he fixed the Raptors, he fixed TFC, tried to fix the Maple Leafs. You can't fix the Maple Leafs. No, I mean, and look at the Winnipeg Jets.
1: You know, it was only a few years ago they were at the in the Western Conference final. Yep. They were a team knocking on the door and we thought, this might be the Canadian team that finally does it. Mm-hmm. You know, they, they were on the verge. Yeah. And now it's like, who knows? Shifley last year of his contract. Dubois wants out. Hellebuck wants to win. He has a year left. Like, They're calling out their fans, being like, come to games. Precisely, right? (laughs) You look at the Calgary Flames and their situation all of a sudden, right? I mean, they have a bunch of UFAs they're going to have to make decisions on. They don't have a head coach yet They finally hired a GM. Constant struggle with the city for a stadium, a new
0: barn. Yeah, and you know what? Like Edmonton, we're just a couple years removed from Bob Nicholson being like, there's something wrong in the water here.
1: Yeah, precisely. I mean, the the Canadian cycle, it's a vicious one. And that's not to say that Vancouver is is in a good position that this is good but man like it just seems like dysfunction is always following canadian hockey franchises
0: look there is a certain element to the canadian teams that is different from some of the american teams now, we've seen american teams have be able to have hands off owners that let their guys do their things but ultimately the teams that have their structure set up the best end up having The most success and Canadian teams like why haven't Canadian why hasn't a Canadian team won a cup for thirty years? Sad. I still I do strongly believe it's you know there's just a lot of politics that go on within Canadian franchises. Two hands-on. Uh, in the then. NHL. Two yeah.
1: hands-on. I mean, even even the Leafs, for instance, right? I mean, we know the, the organization is owned. We're learning a lot because yes. of
0: all the dysfunction. We're There's learning like, a lot. It, as Elliot said, as Friedman said, it's kind of like games of, Game of Thrones. And when that happens, like you have all these different people in the organization that are trying to make themselves look good. And so they start talking to people, yeah. right? And they start spilling the beans on how things are working. Everything's behind, getting out. Behind, behind the curtains. So everything is getting out. And we're
1: learning how everything worked there. No, yeah, 100%. I mean, even with the Canucks the past couple of years, I mean, we were at a point where it's like, you know, like, how much stuff were we ac- consistently accurately reporting on? Yes. Consistently. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's becoming a lot harder now. Not that you're not getting stuff you are. Like, there are certain things, but there is more of a uniform message when you talk to people in the organization. There's yeah. less stuff coming out. There's literally stuff they will not answer. Yeah. There's stuff before, like, I could, I could squeeze somebody's arm and get something out of it at least, even off the back. It, that stuff's getting really difficult to do. And that usually shows some alignment. When that stuff starts shaking, that shows you, okay, now you're starting to, you know, starting to fray a little bit here. But we do know that Bell and Rogers are big owners of the Toronto Maple Leafs. I mean, we were joking off, off air that, you know, you and I are part owners of the Toronto Maple Leafs because we have, <laughs> yes, you know, we, we have Rogers stocks and stuff like that. And Rogers technically owns the Leafs and all So, we no. own thirty seven and a half percent of the lease.
0: <laughs> Maybe that's not the proper math calculation, but right. I own I own some form of percentage of the thirty seven and a half percent that Rogers owns of the maple Exactly. Lease. I think right. that's
1: all you. That's <laughs> all, all us. All us. You know, but um but one of the things too that Friedman was reporting on and others have reported on was that ownership, which is Bell slash Rogers, yes, wasn't willing to give Dubis a contract extension last year. Mm-hmm. Where Shanahan wanted to do it. Yeah. And c- couldn't do it. What does that tell you? Ownership is very much involved in decision-making, which is fine. I mean, you're talking about management and they should be involved in decision-making. Then you heard about trades. Yep. Not only do the trades have to go to Shanahan, they also have to go above Shanahan sometimes. Now, hey, that's standard practice oftentimes you know, to run things by ownership. But that entire process looks to be very clunky with Toronto. So even if you don't have a meddling ownership, it's a yep. very difficult situation to manage. In Canada, it's a very difficult situation to manage. And part of it is the way we're talking about it, right? We just sat here right now and spoke about why is every Canadian team always dysfunctional? Why does dysfunction always follow a Canadian organization? How many hockey franchises don't go through cycles?
0: Mm, They all do. Right. I mean, (laughs) Chicago Blackhawks even.
1: You know, goes I mean, through cycles. Look at the Florida Panthers. I mean, so every organization it's going to comes for through...
0: Pittsburgh, it's going to come for everybody.
1: So every team goes through these cycles, and we make it so like, oh my God, like this is horrible. You know, the sky is falling. That this is the worst thing we've ever seen before. Just so part of it is that, but I do think in Canada because of the pressure and because of the amount of interest in it. Ownership is closely involved with decision-making because it reflects very closely to ownership. And they, they have to deal with it you know, more acutely than American organizations do. Yeah. So that whole managing up aspect, wh- which we talk about, is such an important part of, owning, of uh, working in a Canadian market. And to some level,
0: you're always going to have somebody to answer to, right? There's always going to be some kind of a board that's got to sign off on yeah. a big contract or whatever it may be. But there's different <laughs> levels of meddling, no question. And there's even rumors, you know, again, back to the whole power struggle thing and how this seems to happen a lot more in Canadian markets than it does in American markets. But there's already been reporting that Fenway Sports Group with the Pittsburgh Penguins, the feeling is that they may be willing to give Kyle Dubas full control of hockey operations, (laughs) whereas that was never going to be on the table in Toronto. So, how much of it was Dubas trying to get as much of that as he could? And this is where the power struggle. Really starts to play out. I mean, it's 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 hilarious that for as long as what was it? Se- it's been seven, eight, nine years that mm-hmm. the Leafs have seemingly had their bleep figured out. Well, maybe they didn't have it all figured out. In no, the
1: and it maybe shows, right? I mean, it, it shows and how it all kind of fell apart towards the end, and ultimately not having the level of success it should have had in the. Nope. And I get it. Sometimes it's like, hey, teams have to come together properly, but Especially also with some of the stuff we heard about how honest the players were about why it didn't work. Yeah. There's more there than anybody ever really admitted or was willing to admit. 100%.
0: Uh, Dan Racho, Sad TR Shaw, you are listening to Canuck Central.